John chapter 8, verses 31 through 59. You'll remember that Jesus has been engaged in teaching around the time of the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem, about six months before uh, his crucifixion and resurrection. And there is a group of people among uh, the Jews who wants to kill him and is hostile to him and has been uh, going back and forth in different ways. But meanwhile, Jesus is still teaching and teaching his disciples, teaching those who are in the crowd, proclaiming salvation that he has brought from the Father, that he is offering to them. Last time we saw that he said that he is the light of the world and that whoever follows him would not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Well, today we're going to pick up from their verse 31 and go to the end of the chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father... You would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. 
It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. The Lord God, you have given us your words of of uh, direction and assurance, of promise and pardon, of uh, teaching and instruction uh, to the prophets of old and through your Son, Jesus Christ, and his apostles. We thank you for preserving these words for us and, and bringing them to us here this day, that they might be read and proclaimed. We pray that you would guide the preaching of the word and the hearing of it, that we might receive it and that it might bear fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this passage is, uh, has a lot of, of things in it. Uh, this debate, this controversy, this discussion becomes a very heated discussion uh, as uh, Jesus and the Jews, especially the Jewish leaders, go back and forth about who Jesus says he is. And really that is pretty key, as we'll see it in my final point here, pretty key to the discussion. Uh, Jesus, uh, it, it matters who Jesus was. It's not merely that he's teaching something and anyone could have taught it. Uh, he is speaking about my word, or, you know, his word, uh, and uh, who he is. Does he speak the truth? Where did he come from? Why are they not listening to him? But this passage has some very popular Bible verses. Some of them are more obscure, but you probably have heard before people quote or use you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or uh, verse 36, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. But probably especially that verse 32, if you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, popular verses, and they are powerful verses. They are worth our attention and, uh, and use. But the problem is that out of context, they can also be misapplied. If you just use it as a bumper sticker or a slogan, um, all of a sudden it starts to get applied to all sorts of things. If I knew the truth about this or that, you know, then I would be free in this sense or that sense. Our society loves freedom in some good ways and some bad ways. Um, it loves the freedom, especially of the individual, freedom of the individual from all impositions of tradition, expectations of others, institutions, religion, you know, the freedom to just follow your heart and be yourself and to define that, sell that, to define that for yourself. And don't let anyone tell you what to do. That kind of freedom uh, not only often leads to more political bondage, and that could be another discussion, that kind of li- what becomes licentious, uh, irresponsible freedom, but it also is usually a dead end and uh, a deception. It's at least not the freedom that Jesus is speaking of here. In fact, Peter said in 2 Peter 
that many false teachers promise you freedom, but are actually slaves of corruption. That you could be free from all these, you know, this word of God. And it's in fact bringing them back into the snares of corruption that they escaped from in Christ. But it's that kind of slavery, slavery to sin, slavery to the devil and death that is in view in this passage. And Jesus was not speaking about truth just in any sense, any true statement, but particularly about his word, about the truth revealed by God for man's salvation. As verse 36 makes plain, it is the Son of God that makes a person truly free. So Jesus tells the truth from God to set free the slaves of sin. So abide in the word of Christ that you may be free indeed. That's the main message here. First, let's look at what is this slavery that he's talking about. Because to be free, to be set free, means that you weren't free to begin with. And the Jews catch on that really quickly. Like, wait a minute, if you're telling us to do something, to be set free, that means we're not free. And that means we're, 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 sl- we're slaves. But what, what are you calling us slaves for? You know, and so we're talking about what, what is the slavery that people need freedom from? Uh, what is that way to freedom? And who is the liberator that sets us free? So first, the, the question in verse 33, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, Jesus could have you know, talked about, well, actually the offspring of Abraham have been in various forms of slavery or exile or domination by other foreign powers, you know, time and again, but that wasn't really to the point um, because that itself even wasn't the main slavery that he was talking about. He goes on in verse 34 to describe the type of slavery that he was talking about. What do we want to be set free from? He says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Slave is the master that mankind obeys. It is the one who also holds mankind in bondage. The Apostle Peter said likewise, For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Sin overcomes a person. It it holds a person. It, It controls that person. Uh, man's nature is corrupt. Fallen humanity is in slavery to sinful passions and desires, to what the Bible calls the flesh, which is simply that nature that we get by nature. That flesh produces flesh, and uh, all of mankind is this way. There's none righteous, no, not one. They might even seem to come like second nature to us, Uh, to sin, to desire sin, to want sin. Like dead branches, fallen humanity, apart from God's grace, are like dead branches, unable to produce any good things, uh, no good fruit. They obey sin as their master, not God. And this slavery is so deep that it is a bondage of the will, that they sin because they want to sin, that even their their desire and their character is in slavery to sin. It's not 
that they can be freed by mustering the willpower to break free of this, that sin is compelling them against their will, and they now just need to have a firmness of resolve, but rather Christ says it's the Son who will set you free. It is Christ that is the way of escape. So those who practice sin are a slave to sin. We also find that those who are slaves to sin are children of the devil. Not only are they slaves of sin and their sin nature, but there is the devil on top of that who is holding them in this way, blinding them, leading them in rebellion. In verse 44, Jesus uh, speaks to them saying, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. The devil led mankind into this slavery to begin with, back in the garden, back in the beginning. And the devil continues to lead mankind in it, to continue in sin. He is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil departed from the truth. He does not stand in the truth. He was like a creature of, of God, like any other creature. He was good when God created, but in the beginning, he fell away from the beginning of the story. Go back to Genesis 3. He shows up as the one who is a murderer and a liar. How was he a murderer? He killed mankind. He brought mankind into death. How did he do that? By deceiving him with lies. By bringing first Eve, and then Eve talked to Adam, and they both sinned and, and became subject to death, to God's judgment. Of course, then mankind began to took, take after him, especially uh, Cain, as he killed his brother and manifested that same murder towards his brother. Fallen humanity imitates the devil's murders and lies, even as he was supposed to imitate his heavenly father's ways to be his image, to reflect his ways on earth of righteousness and holiness, of dominion, but rather those who rebelled against God, mankind, but for God's grace, sided with the devil and were at enmity with God. They were not physically the offspring of the devil. They were the creation of God. But they became, as it were, the offspring of the serpent, taking after his ways, following him. So this murder involves malice and hatred and envy. Before conversion, mankind hates and is hated. It's the way Paul describes the state of humanity in Titus. And as the devil's offspring, they bear special enmity towards the offspring of the woman. That there is this this uh, rivalry between them. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because Abel's actions were good. And there was this enmity between them. The world uh, hates Christ and his people. But also there are lies. Lies like slander, false witness, dishonesty and fraud, false teachings. The devil began to lie to lead humanity away from the truth of God so that they would sin and rebel. He rejects the truth, and his children in Jesus' day were also rejecting the truth, even though it was standing there right in front of them. Now, this is the state of mankind. This is your condition, but for God's grace. As Paul would say in his epistles, in this we all once walked, 
This is the way you did lived when you were living in them. But now you must no longer because uh, you, the sun has set you free. And it, you ought not to live like you once did when you were under this dominion. But the, we'll get to the way of escape. But this is the state of mankind by nature. Those who are slaves to sin often rest securely, not realizing that they are slaves, they are comfortable in their sin, and they feel confident, trusting in their birth and their blood, in their status and external membership. As these Jews said, we are Abraham's offspring. We are not the slaves of any man. We are not the slaves of anyone. We are children of God. We have one God, and one Father, even God. They rested securely in this, even though the Son of God was standing right in front of them, proclaiming the truth. They claimed God and Abraham as their fathers while rejecting and seeking to kill God's son and Abraham's hope, following the devil, their true father. But those who have the devil for their father are not the children of God or of Abraham. And they reject the truth because they are not of God. Only those who have been born again by God are able to receive the truth. Even the children of Abraham may fall away due to unbelief and be cut off. True children of Abraham walk in the faith of Abraham and do the works that he did, which doesn't involve killing the guy that's trying to tell you the truth from God. It's a kind of an understatement there where Jesus says, you're trying to kill the, the one who's telling you the truth from God, and Abraham didn't do that. That's something that Abraham didn't do, and you are doing this right now. But they trusted in, in, in blood, their descent, the will of the flesh, the will of man. But Abraham didn't do that. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. But not only are those who, are, who, who practice sin slaves to sin and in bondage to the devil, but they are also in bondage to death. The devil was a murderer by leading mankind into sin. Man's sin brought him into death. The wages of sin is death. Jesus says, if you keep the word of Jesus, you will not see death. But if you, unless you keep the word of Jesus, you will see death. You will remain under God's wrath and curse. Jesus had already spoken of death in chapter 5, uh, speaking of spiritual death in which mankind dwells even now, the physical death in which one lies in the tomb, and the resurrection then on the final day when he raises the dead, and they come out of the tomb, some to the resurrection of life, and some to the resurrection of judgment. There is a second death, which he wrote about in Revelation as well. The second death, which is the eternal judgment. And so there is this bondage to slavery, uh, to the devil, uh, to death. So how does one escape this slavery? How can one be set free? Well, look first in verses 31 through 32, as we look at the way of freedom. There it says that the truth will set you free, right? Well, the truth in view here is the gospel, the divinely revealed truth unto salvation, the teachings of Jesus. We must not neglect verse 31, right? So verse 32 is that says that, you know, the truth will set you free, but but the truth sets who free? Who does the truth set free? And what truth are we talking about? 
Let's get the full context. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, all right, so he's talking especially to those Jews who had begun to buy into his words, who were beginning to be persuaded about what Jesus was saying and giving some, some assent here to the teachings of Jesus. But Jesus instructed them, if you abide in my word, that is, if you remain in my word, if you continue in my word, not just belief, kind of an excitement for the moment, but if you persevere in my teachings, then you, will, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So who does the truth set free? Those who abide in the word of Jesus, in the teachings of Jesus, in the message of Jesus. How does one escape this slavery? By abiding in the word of Christ. To abide in his word by receiving it in faith and then continuing in it. You know, how does the word of Christ dwell among us richly? As we teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, as we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, as we live as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's particularly through faith in this word, and that word, that faith proves fruitful in a life that abides in his word. And then you are truly his disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, no longer entangled in the snares of the devil. And this is made more plain in verse 36, where it is the Son who will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is the liberator. You are set free by him, not your own doing. It's the gift of God in Christ. So you seek your freedom by believing in him, receiving his word, abiding in his word. And this freedom that is gained in Christ is freedom from this slavery we have discussed, from sin, from de- the devil, from death. Uh, that instead of sin, there is a, a life of righteousness. Instead of the devil, we have God as our father. Instead of death, there is eternal life. First John had spoken of these things, that the one who is born of God cannot keep on sinning, cannot continue on the way he went. Uh, the one who is of the devil does the deeds of the devil and continues to work sin. Uh, but Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to change things. The one who is born of God through Christ is not going to remain the same, is going to uh, practice righteousness and to love his brother, that life of God begins in him and grows and increases and is, becomes visible and manifests itself. That is the good fruit of the life that comes through Christ. A release from this dominion. Now it's true, this believer in this life will continue to struggle with sin. It's a war to be waged to mortify that sin, but it no longer has that, that dominion over you. Rather, you are able to do good by God's grace, if the Son has set you free. This freedom is the freedom of of sons. Sinners are freed from slavery and adopted as children of God. Jesus says that the slave has no enduring place in the house. He, He might live in the house, he might do work in the house, but he's not an heir. He doesn't have inheritance in the household. Uh, he might be sent away, but uh, like, uh, like Hagar was sent away from the household of, of Abraham with her son, but, but the son, uh, like Isaac, he remained as the heir. So the son of God 
will remain in the house forever. The slaves of sin will be swept away by God's judgment, but the Son remains forever. And so those whom the Son sets free shall remain forever. Those whom the Son sets free will not pass away. They will remain in God's house. And if anyone keeps the word of Jesus, he will not see death. Now, this is at first misunderstood. What do you mean you won't see death? Uh, Abraham died. The prophets died. Do you really mean you're not going to see? You have the power for someone to not see death. But the one who keeps the words of Jesus shall be born again, shall have life even now, eternal life, in the sense that we are dead in sins and trespasses, that that person will have eternal life, so that even dying, yet he shall live and be with Christ in heaven, even while the body rests in the grave. Uh, that's the, the sting of death, the judgment that accompanied death will be taken away. And that death will actually serve the good of the believer. But then on top of that, the work of death will be undone. Death and Hades will give up their dead. And those who have kept the words of Jesus will be raised to life. Their bodies raised and glorified, perfected. The mortal will put on the immortal. The perishable will put on the imperishable and shall be released from that final enemy that will be destroyed in the second coming of Christ. Death is defamed for the believer. The one whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. And so who is this liberator? That's what a lot of the debate then narrows in on. Who do you think you are? Who, who do you think you are that you're able to promise so much? is what the Jews are saying to Jesus. Jesus made great claims about himself. He is that son who remains in the house forever, who sets free those who are in bondage to sin. He called God his own father, very clearly in verse 54. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. He obviously speaks of having come from God, that he existed before he was born, that he did not have a mere human existence, but that uh, he was with the Father and came to the earth for this purpose. The Jews disputed with, Jesus disputed with the Jews, not just about his teachings, but about himself. He made bold and confident claims about himself. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I'm speaking the truth. The Father is glorifying me. But they disputed. They thought he had a demon. They thought he was a Samaritan. They thought he was a blasphemer. They thought he was worthy of death. Who was right? There was no middle ground of, oh, I think, you know, he's pretty good. Uh, nice teacher. He doesn't really make any controversial claims. He just tells people to be good. No. Who had God as their father? Was it Jesus or his opponents? Did Jesus have a demon? Was he a Samaritan? Was he the eternal Son of God? Jesus made it clear that he was saying that he was greater than Father Abraham, that he was greater than the prophets. They thought that was incredible. Who would say they're greater than Abraham or greater than the prophets? 
Of course, Jesus elsewhere would say, someone greater than the temple is here. Someone greater than Solomon is here. He said that Abraham saw his coming and rejoiced. That he saw it and was glad. I'm the one that Abraham was looking for. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He said that in response to the Jews, because they were saying, you're not even 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? You know, he lived a lot longer ago than 50 years ago. He lived like 2,000 years ago. By our day, it's now like 4,000 years ago. And how, how did he see you? He might also say something about how rough this ministry was on Jesus. He was probably in his 30s, started his ministry when he was about 30 years old. And they're saying, you're not even 50. <laughs> you know, maybe he was looking more like he was in his 40s than in his 30s. But in any case, he was not old enough to have met Abraham uh, since his birth. But Jesus doubles down that he doesn't even say before Abraham was, I was, or before that when Abraham lived, I was existing then. But before Abraham was, before he began to exist, I am in the present tense, ongoing sense. He is eternal, existing before Abraham came into existence. His grace is the only way of salvation in any age. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says that he is, I am. He is God, the one who said, I am, that I am. There's a little debate in the commentaries. Is this an allusion to Exodus 3 or to Isaiah 43, where he says, I am he, you know, I am God, I am he. In in either case, it's the same point, and the Jews understood him perfectly well. What did they do at that point? They took up their stones, and they were going to throw them at Jesus. They were ready to stone him because he was, in their eyes, committing blasphemy. Of course, what they were actually doing was committing murder. And so Jesus hid himself, and he ran out of the temple. Jesus had come to deliver them from bondage, but instead he had to hide and run away for his life. He came to his own, and his own received him not. When Moses first sought to free the Israelites, to deliver them from their oppression, how was Moses received by the Israelites? Do you remember when he first delivered the Israelites from his Egyptian oppressor? And then the next day he came to two Israelites who were fighting. Who made you judge over us? They rejected him and told him that Pharaoh was also looking for him. So he had to flee for his life. Now God had raised up the greatest liberator, the savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and sent him to his people. But he also had to flee for his life. Of course, in six months, his hour would come and he would go willingly to Jerusalem to die to do that very redemption, to redeem his people from their sins. But do not be like the Jews who rejected him, who remained stubborn when met with the truth. Be like those Jews who received him, like Thomas, who confessed in the end, my Lord and my God. Jesus tells the truth from God, and he does so to set free the slaves of sin. He tells them the truth that their works are evil. He is the light, and he convicts the world of sin. 
He shows them that it's not enough to simply be descended from Abraham or to be in a godly home or to have good parents or to do some good things. He convicts the world of sin. It's one reason why it hates him. But not only that, he also shows the way of salvation. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the Savior. He is the Lamb of God. Abide in the word of Christ and follow his word. Abide in his teachings that you may be free indeed, free from slavery to sin, free from the bondage to death and to the devil. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your mercy and your mercy upon us who were most miserable in our distress, especially uh, us Gentiles who were far away and without hope, of, with God, without God in the world. That all of us, Jew and Gentile alike, that there were no one righteous, all convicted by the same law in need of a Savior. We thank you for sending him and bringing us out of our our stubbornness and our rebellion that we might receive this great gift. We pray that you would continue to convert the lost and that you would also give us this perseverance that we might remain in his word, remain stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.